If you're born again, you're, in, you're being what I'm entitled to this message today. You are being prepared to be prepared. Let that sink in a minute. You are being prepared to be prepared. It's a process. If you'll put my first scripture up, brother. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12 through 13 says this. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. But rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding Joy. You know, the Bible says we rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. That rejoicing not only begins the day you're born again, but it goes with you through your process. As we walk through the trials and the tribulations and the hardships, if you will, the circumstances that come our way, we begin to realize that there is something going on and God is at work in me. And so it's best for me to just go ahead and rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say rejoice. Hallelujah. We're not to rejoice about the circumstances, but we're to rejoice in the circumstances. Amen. For all things work together for the good to them who love the Lord, who are the called according unto his purpose. God's not trying to destroy you. Satan is, but God's not. And things can come our way that God is working out of us something that we need to let go of. It's a process there. And then there are those that are lost and undone and they begin to wonder, why is my food not filling me? Why is um, is my money just falling through? They need to realize that it's not the devil, it's God trying to get them to say yes to him. They're in a process. We call it being dealt with by the Lord. That's older terminology, but they say so-and-so, the Lord is dealing with him. And he was in a horrible fix. (laughs) And people said, just pray for him. The Lord's dealing with him. Let me tell you, friends, it's good for the Lord to deal with you. Folks would pray, make their bed a bed of thorns and their pillow a pillow fire. And folks would come to the church and say, don't pray for me no more. I can't sleep. But that's what we want you to do. We want you to reach a point where you say, Lord, I give up. Give me, relief me, Lord. Give me relief. And brother, when that relief comes and the joy comes and the peace that follows being born again, I'm talking about being washed in the blood. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I'm talking about not just having joined a program, but I'm talking about being down to the altar where the power and the presence of God is poured out and the blood has washed them clean and they leave a different person. They come full of hell and leave full of heaven. Let me tell you friends, that's born again. Amen. And when that happens, you're going to rejoice. You're going to rejoice in so much that you got to tell somebody what the Lord has done for you. And when you begin to tell it, it begins to solidify it. And you begin to walk a path that you had not known heretofore. And that's why we read 
here in First Peter where Peter is saying, don't think it's strange that you're going through something. Don't think it's strange that, that you're being persecuted. Don't think it's strange that you're being laughed at. Don't think it's strange that you're being mocked. Don't think it's strange because what you got going on is something to rejoice about. Why? Because you are a partaker of Christ's suffering. Not only that, but you will have glory revealed in you that you will be glad with exceeding joy. We're talking about uh, that the scripture says that the sufferings of this present age are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. We are walking a road sometimes of depth, of darkness and despair, but we serve one that has light and that shines on every footstep we take and it's a one day at a time process and we're walking it out we may be hurting and walking we may be crying and walking we may be if you will wondering if we'll see another day but we're walking and one day you're going to take one step in darkness and step into a, a place of deliverance where you'll walk out saying glory to God I'm glad he brought me through for it had not been for a problem I wouldn't know God could solve them I wouldn't know what faith in God could do hallelujah Friends, you're in a process, yes. Praise God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Put up my next scripture, brother. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 8 through 10. Look what Paul said. We are troubled on every side, but not distressed. (laughs) We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted but not forsaken, (laughs) cast down, but not destroyed, always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. (laughs) Let me tell you, friends, God is whittling on you if you're living for him. Amen? (laughs) He's pruning you. (laughs) Tomato plants can look pretty, but there's some... some Things need to be pruned off of those plants so they'll put forth bigger, more better tomatoes. And so there's pruning where things look good, it's cut off. You think, well, why do we cut it off? Well, it, it, it's sapping the, the good juice from the, the bloom that will put forth the good tomato. So we got to get rid of everything that's sapping out the good juice so that the, the right parts of the plant gets what it needs. God is in the process of pruning you and me. Amen. When there's a shoot over here that ain't got no business being over here, God says, all right, cuts it off. And we say, oh, Lord. (laughs) But then we wake up one morning and and we're better. (laughs) And we say, thank you, Lord. (laughs) That's how the process goes. Weeping endureth for the night, but joy cometh in the morning. Sorrows may come. Trials will come. People need to know when you're born again doesn't mean you're never going to have a problem. Don't let me scare you now. But you never, you're going to have problems. If anything, they're going to intensify. Because the devil don't want you saved. God wants you saved. And the battle begins. And you and I must do one thing. And that is we must put it into God's hands. Put it into God's hands. You see, I can't fix it. The, the, the primetime or Sunday school lesson this morning on Jehoshaphat. 
when the armies had, the three armies had formed a, a coalition and come against him, when he got the word they were coming, he only had 25 minutes. 25 minutes. He didn't have time to put together an army. He didn't have time together to arm his men. He called the people together and they began to call on God. And he said, Lord, you see this army that's coming against us? We have no might against this army. Neither do we know what to do. But our eyes are on you. (laughs) Hallelujah. The spirit of the Lord fell on the prophet and he said, hear me, you inhabitants of Judah and Israel. There is no need to worry that there's one thing you must know. The battle is not yours. It's the Lord's. Let me tell you, friends, what you're going through is not your battle. It's God's battle. You keep your eyes on Jesus. I have a screen background on my laptop. When I open it up, there's Jesus walking on the troubled waters, and it says, keep your eyes on me and not the storm. <laughs> so every time I go on there to read or study or whatever, the first thing I'm hit with is keep your eyes on me, not the storm. That's what we got to do. Okay, that was my introduction. <laughs> Brother Lynn threw me off this morning. You know, I'm bad to forget things, and I guess that comes with the territory. I'm getting older. That's what they say. Doctors say, well, you're getting older, and uh, go on and live with it. But I walked in there, still Brother Lynn, and immediately my mind said, did he say August the 6th, or did he say September 6th? <laughs> you know, because I'm thinking, I wrote it down wrong. <laughs> but then I realized, Glory. I had it right. He just decided to stay over. <laughs> so, so, okay, that's good. Now, you know, sometimes we need to make sure we're right, don't we? <laughs> okay, now, here's what I want us to look at. There's a man. I want you to go to Genesis chapter 39. There's a man named Joseph. We're talking about a process now. And we, you know the story of Joseph, how he grew up with his brothers, and they had, were jealous of Joseph. He had these dreams, a great revelation that God had given him, and he messed around and shared those dreams, and, and that just fueled their envy and their, their strife, and that fueled their jealousy. And there came a day where it had reached ahead, if you will, and they saw him coming, and they said, let's kill him. Now, Joseph was coming in goodwill. He was coming to check on them. He was coming to bring food. He had on a beautiful coat that his daddy had made for him. I mean, he was happy. You can be happy in the Lord and meet the devil on the way. But he got to where they were, and they said, let's kill him. They had an argument over how to do it. Finally, they said, let's just throw him down in this pit. And when he gets there, he's saying, he said, look, brothers, God, Daddy sent you some food and stuff, and Mama's famous apple pie, oh, it's good. And they said, Whew, slapped him in a cave, in a, in a hole. I mean, can you imagine what hit his mind when he got there and was treated like that? And when they threw him in that pit, and when they put him in that pit, they begin to think about what we're going to do with him. One of the brothers, he got feeling bad. He figured he'd get up early the next morning and sneak him out of the pit and, and he would be on his way and it'd be over. When he got there, he found out they'd done got ahead of him and pulled Joseph up out of that pit and sold him to slave traders. Can you imagine being sold to slave traders by your own family? Now, that's, pro- that's, that's persecution. That's trouble. Amen. 
and he's and he's loves God. He's 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 one of God's people, but he's doing a good deed, and yet he's finding himself thrown in a pit and then pulled out and sold to slave traders without him having any say so in it. And now he finds himself in a position, if you will, where he doesn't realize it, but he's going going to go through a process. He's going to be prepared to be prepared. He doesn't know the outcome. Let me tell you, friends, we read the outcome of people in the Bible and we say, well, why did they get all upset? They didn't know the outcome. We get the privilege of reading the outcome. Job, he didn't get to see what was coming down the road for him. He even said, oh, God, I cursed the day I was born. We think, well, why did you do that, Job? Well, Job didn't see that eventually he was going to be blessed with more than he ever had. We don't, we do, in our lives today, we don't get the privilege of knowing the outcome most of the times. We just know we're going through something. We just know that I'm sick, nigh to death. We just know that debts are coming in and I ain't got the money to pay them. We just know that I'm, I'm about to flunk out of this course and my mama's going to be mad because they paid a lot of money for me to go to college. We just know that. We don't know the outcome. But when we trust God, there's an outcome coming that's going to bring a rejoicing on the hills of glory. And you're going to look back and say, thank you, Lord, for what you put me through. Amen. Joseph now, in Genesis 39, verse 1 and 2 says, Joseph was brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him of the hand of the Ishmaelites, which had brought him down thither. And the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian." I'd like to emphasize a little bit on that latter part of verse 2. He was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. He's not in the house of his beloved dad anymore. He's not in the house of his mama anymore. He's not in the comforts of his bedroom where all his posters are on the wall and he's got his own television and he's got his own laptop. He's not in that anymore. All of a sudden, he's in a foreign land under the the ownership of somebody that looks about as ungodly as they come, and he's in a place that he don't know the language, nor does he know the custom. That's a pretty bad situation. He had every right to look up and say, God, what are you doing? Lord, why? What's going on with me? We, We understand that Joseph was 17, sold into slavery. Imagine. Probably a lot of us don't remember when we were 17. I, I barely remember when I was 17. I just graduated from high school, getting my life started, had my own truck, and I thought everything good and life was going to be great. I can't imagine all of a sudden being sold into slavery just out of high school. Can you? I mean, just being turned over and, and by your own family. You know, Jesus said the enemies will be those of your own household a lot of times. Amen? Okay. He was 17 Sold into slavery, he spent a total of 13 years in Potiphar's house and prison. 13 years. It wasn't 24 hours. We're talking 13 years. Two of those 13, we believe, was in prison. Every day, it seemed like when things were about to get better, something happened. You ever been there before? When it looks like things are fixing to get better, it gets worse. That's a process. You're going through a process. Look at this. Verse 12, chapter 39. 
Lord, everything's going good. Potiphar sees that he's smart and, and he knows how to uh, run things and he's turned the, the business over to him and all of a sudden things are going good. Then Potiphar's wife wants him to sleep with her. Can you imagine a 17-year-old boy being taunted by this woman? <laughs> Most 17-year-olds I know would have said, Oh, yes, glory. <laughs> I have found the promised land. <laughs> Woo! Boy, I never knew it was this good. <laughs> but, but Joseph had a heart for God, and he would not comply. And you would think, well, she'd, she would give up and say, well, he, he ain't no county. He ain't going to listen to me. No, it said she vexed him every day. She taunted him every day. She pulled on him every day. And he's getting tested. And in verse 12, it said she caught him by his garment. I mean, she got so to the point where she grabbed him and said, lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand and fled and got him out. (laughs) And it came to pass when she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and was fled forth, she called unto the men of her house and spake unto them, saying, he hath brought, see, he hath brought in a Hebrew unto us to mock us. He came in unto me to lie with me, and I cried with a loud voice. And it came to pass when he heard that I lifted up my voice and cried that he left his garment with me and fled and got him out. And she laid up his garment for her until his Lord came home. Potiphar, till Potiphar came home. And in verse 20 it says, And Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were bound, and he was there in the prison. We read earlier in chapter, uh, verse 39, chapter 39, verse 2, he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. Now, in verse 20, he was there in the prison, signifying that, yes, he was there. It wasn't no hearsay. It wasn't a story told. It happened. So now he's gone from ruling Pharaoh's household wearing good clothes and he's thinking, well, I don't understand this, but I thank the Lord for this. And then he goes through a test with with Potiphar's wife and she lies on him and and then he finds himself in prison. Now, I can imagine to myself that, that that prison was not like our prisons today. It was not a cushy, uh, what they say, uh, a Two hots and a cot or three hots and a cot. He didn't even have a cot. And it was dirt floor, nasty, stinking. It was filled with the likes of people that you'd never seen. It was a rosy place. But he's in a process. He don't know it really, but he's in a process. There was, let me read this to you here. F.B. Meyer wrote these words concerning how Joseph must have felt. Listen to this, and I agree with this. How eager his desire to send just one last message to his father. And with all these thoughts, there would mingle a wondering thought of the great God whom he had learned to worship. What would he say to this? Little did he think then that hereafter he should look back on that day as one of the most gracious lands in a chain of loving providences or that he should ever say be not grieved nor angry with yourselves God did send me here before you it is very sweet as life passes by to be able to look back on dark and mysterious events and to trace the hand of God where we once saw only the malice and cruelty of man 
Isn't that true? I preached a sermon one time. You got to look back to go forward. Roll back the curtain of memory now and then. Show me where you brought me from and where I could have been. Remind me and remember I'm human and humans forget. So remind me, remind me, dear Lord. We can look back today. Every one of us can look back and see times where that we thought we was goners, but God pulled us out. We thought we were dead, but God gave us life. We thought we had nothing left, but God came and rebuilt us. We have been through fires and through many toils and dangers, and His grace has brought us safe this far, and His grace will keep us and lead us on. Hallelujah. We can know that. We can know that God has never failed, nor shall He ever. and know that there's power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. We can know that one day we shall behold Him and we shall be like Him for we shall see Him as He is. We know these things. We know that God be for us who can be against us. We know that there's power in His blood. We know there's joy coming in the morning. But what about now? What about now? What do we know now? We have to put it to the test. We put to the test to apply it now and to apply it and know that this may be bad right now and it may look terrible right now, but there's coming an answer for this. I know God's going to get something done in me here. And we pray, Lord, help me to be patient. Help me, as they said at the Dread Sea, stand still and see the salvation of God. You have to stand still. After Jehoshaphat called on God and reminded him that he was God and he had brought them to where they were and asked him, was he going to let them be destroyed? It said that the men and women along with their children stood there and waited for God to answer. And God said, don't fear and don't be dismayed. This is not your battle. This is my battle. Go out tomorrow and stand still and see the salvation of God. Woo! Now that was a pretty fierce situation. They went out. Jehoshaphat gathered all of the singers, the praise and the worship leaders and they go out against three armies that are beyond number and they're singing and dancing. Sometimes God does things that don't make any sense. And they're singing and they're praising the beauty of holiness and they're playing their tambourines and the trumpets are blowing and they're dancing and guess what happened? Hallelujah. Not one fire was ever shot from their bows or arrows but in the midst of the enemies God calls to confusion and two turned on one and slew every one of them and then they turned on themselves and the Bible said when they got through there wasn't one left living. Let me tell you and when they rose up and looked over the valley every one of them was dead and they didn't have to strike a blow and it took them three days to gather the jewels off of the bodies. God, a process. They didn't know that was going to happen. All they knew was just go there and stand. And we say, Lord, that don't make no sense. Just go there and stand. God has told people to quit jobs and it didn't make no sense. But what came back later was far better. Far better. Processes that we go through. Troubles that we go through. Listen, go with me to the 41st chapter now of Genesis. And go down to verse 37. Now Joseph has been in the house of Potiphar. He's been in the house. 
He's been in prison, wrongfully accused. And even in the prison, he's been given favor by God and he's running the prison. And, and, he's, and two of uh, Pharaoh's key men, the butler and the baker, have been accused of stealing and they're in there and they've had some dreams and Joseph, God had given him, if you will, the gift to interpret dreams and he had interpreted their dreams correctly and he told uh, them when they left uh, to remember him before Pharaoh and, and uh, the, the one who lived did not remember him at all before Pharaoh. So it was two years later before Pharaoh had a dream. How many knows God can shake you in a dream? Amen. One time, and this is a true fact, this is very true. Man had been heard, heard the preaching every night. You must be born again. You must be born again. It was burned in him. You must be born again. And he had a dream. <clears throat> he laid down and went to sleep in his bed at night. That night had a dream. He was falling foot long into hell with his clothes on and his hat on and his walking cane in his hand. And he was screaming. And he woke up just before he hit the flames and realized he was still alive and he rolled out of the bed and he said, born me again, God, born me again. And God saved him right there by his bed. I'm going to tell you, friends, God can give a dream to folks and shake them. Amen. Don't never give up praying on your loved ones that are lost and shake them. God can shake folks. He can wake people up and we know he can. All right, Joseph now is all this he's still in a process it seems like when things get to going good then something bad happens so he, pharaoh's had this dream and he's called all of his wise people in uh, and, and he can't figure out this dream he's perplexed about it and all of his magicians are shaking bones and throwing dust and dancing and they can't figure nothing of it out they say we don't know king we just don't know he said well is there anybody that knows anybody well just so happened that the uh, the cupbearer was spared that had been in prison. He stepped up and said, Pharaoh, there is one in your prison, a Hebrew, that rightfully told the interpretation of my dream and of the butler's dream. And he said, well, go get him. Okay, back to Joseph's life. He's in the prison. He's over the prison. He's doing the, the task every day of making sure everything is right. And all of a sudden, the doors bust open and in comes Pharaoh's big army guards and they grabbed him and said, you got to come to floor before Pharaoh. I would have thought, well, now it's for sure the end for me. I mean, it's done gone from bad to worse so many times. This time I'm dead, you know. And they, and they cleaned him up. They forced, forced bathed him. I mean, what, a, what an event. I mean, they grabbed him and they bathed him. He's probably thinking, oh, Lord, what are you going to do to me now? I mean, I mean, can you see the process? I mean, it just when it gets going good, then bam, he gets hit again. But this time he didn't realize that this was the culmination and this was his victorious day. This was the day that God was going to turn it all around and at last he was going to be able to see what God had been doing all these years in his life. But he didn't know that. He didn't know that. Okay, so they go get him. He comes before Pharaoh. He interprets the dream. And not only does it interpret the dream, he gives a solution. The dream, as you know, was seven years of famine, and then there'll be seven years, I mean, seven years of good, then there'll be seven years of famine. And, 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 and that was 
perplexing thing. And, and Pharaoh said, what are we going to do? And, and Joseph said, appoint somebody over the, the seven good years and, and let's store grain and let's get it all in these storehouses and then we'll sell it back out. When the bad years come, we'll survive. And Pharaoh said, well, where can we find anybody as smart as this guy is? He's going to be the one. Look at verse 37 of chapter 41. And the thing was good in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of all his servants. And Pharaoh said unto his servants, Can we find such a one as this, a man in whom the Spirit of God is? And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, For as much as God hath showed thee all this, there is none so discreet and wise as thou art. Now can you imagine he's standing there and he's hearing these words from Pharaoh? <laughs> now Pharaoh thinks he's God, by the way. And none of them can look at him in the face because they feel like they'll burn up if they look him in the face. But, but Joseph can look him in the face and not burn up. Isn't that something? And he said unto Joseph in 30, verse 39, And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, For as much as God hath showed thee all this, there is none so discreet and wise as thou art. Thou shalt be over my house, and according unto my word, thy word shall all my people be ruled. Only in the throne will I be greater than thee, than thou. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, See, I have set thee over all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh took off his ring from his hand and put it upon Joseph's hand and arrayed him in vestures of fine linen and put a gold chain about his neck. Man, he's putting jewelry on this guy. Gold. And he made him to ride in the second chariot which he had and they cried before him, bow the knee. And he made him ruler over all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I am Pharaoh. And without thee shall no man lift his hand or foot in all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh called Joseph's name Zaphnath-Paneah. And he gave him the wife Azanath, the daughter of Potipharah, priest of On. And Joseph went out over all the land of Egypt. That morning when he got up in the prison... It was just another day, just attending to the duties of running the prison. But when the day closed, he was governor of Egypt. Process. Process. We have in our judicial system, we call it a, a process that you must go through. A process is a, a culmination of events and of things to be done before we get to the final outcome. These things have to be done first or the outcome won't be. All that Joseph went through had to be so that God was getting him formed and ready for the task of being governor of Egypt. The symbolisms and the typisms that are shown here are pictures of Jesus himself. The names of Nathpaneah. Joseph's name in the Hebrew meant Jehovah shall add. But then the name Zaphnath-Paneah could be interpreted life more abundant. So now his name is God shall add life more abundant. Woo! He had to go through a process before he got the Zaphnath-Paneah part. Hallelujah! Sometimes we think, God, what is going on? But hang on, your Zaphnath-Paneah moment is coming. 
Hang on. Your day before Pharaoh is coming. Your rejoicing is on the way. You don't need to give up now. You're almost there. You know, like the song says, I can see the lights of home. I can see Jesus on his throne. I'm too near to turn back now. Oh, praise the Lord. I'm heaven bound. Hallelujah. Let me tell you, friends, any day now, we're going to step out of this earth onto a street of gold where that we'll never be sick again, a land where we'll never grow old, where there's no tears, no sorrow, no dying. You won't face what you're facing right now. And the weight of sin and of living in this world will lift off of you and you'll be so glad you lived for Jesus. You'll be so glad you hung on to Jesus. You'll be so glad that you hung to Jesus all the way through. Oh, man, we are being prepared for heaven. We're being prepared for heaven. We're being prepared for things on this earth, but we're also being prepared for heaven. All of my life as a little fella, I sat at the feet of my grandmother. I sat at her feet day in and day out, and she told me about Jesus. I heard her pray. I saw the saints praying in her house. That put something in my mind. And when I got older, I still heard her voice and the words that she spoke to me. And then in school, I was made fun of. I was called Jughead. I was called Bigfoot. I was laughed at and mocked at. But God was getting me ready to stand in a position that I could not ever conceive of standing. And one day, he brought me out of all of that and set me on a solid foundation, saved my soul, and put a fire inside of it that you can't put out. And I'm still going on that blessing. I'm telling you, friends, I didn't know that all of that was getting me ready for where I am now. So you can make fun. You can laugh. You can call me names. You can, as a songwriter said, you can, you can scandalize my name, but I'm going on with Jesus just the same. Hallelujah. Let me tell you, friends, God is getting you ready for something you don't know about yet. If you're sitting here today and you're thinking, oh, God, that's a good thought. Just keep it up. Oh, God. I remember after being hit with the hardest valley, I think a trial had ever been hit with after I got saved, I used to drive down the road and the only prayer I could formulate in my mind was, oh, Jesus, oh, Jesus, oh, Jesus, oh, Jesus. God gave me visions driving down the road, showed me things I didn't know because he said in Jeremiah 22, uh, thir- uh, Jeremiah 33 and 3, call unto me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things that thou knowest not about. I found that to be true but I wouldn't have found it if I hadn't been in a valley and got hurt really bad. Let me tell you brother, the things that come upon us are not to destroy us. God has allowed it to build you. Build you. You go through college young people and you feel like this professor is trying to fail me. Well maybe he is. But if you'll cling to God, you will pass. I believe that, don't you? They say prayer's been taken out of school. No, it hasn't. Because every student sitting there looking at a test is praying. (laughs) Every student that's sitting there looking at a test, they praying, oh, God, help me pass this test. Oh, God, let me pass, help me pass this test. (laughs) Oh, God. 
Let me tell you, prayer will never be done away with because it's not an outward expression. It's in the heart. Amen? It comes out, yes. But sometimes you can't say the words, but down inside you can call him. And you know what? He'll hear you. When you call that name, he will hear you. Joseph's preparation day was completed when he stood before Pharaoh. We could go on. Time won't permit. David was prepared for Goliath while tending the sheep for his father. Jesus was prepared for the cross in Gethsemane when he prayed, Oh God, if it be possible, don't let me go through this. But God gave him the strength and angels ministered to him and he got up and said, Not my will, but thy will be done. It was finished at Gethsemane before he got to Calvary. Hallelujah. That's why he could stand before Pilate. That's why he could stand before Herod and not say nothing in his defense because his mind was made up and God had given him the strength. The process was coming together. And when Jesus finished it, oh glory, on that third day when he walked out of that grave, and those women stepped into that, come there to, to tend to his body and found him gone, found the stone rolled back. And the angel said, why are you seeking the living among the dead? <laughs> He's not here. <laughs> he has risen like he said. Oh, glory. And they ran telling the disciples, he's alive, he's alive, he's alive. He was dead, but he's no longer dead. Let me tell you, friends, Jesus is alive and he's working in you and he's working on you and if you'll tend to that and you'll stand firm and not be driven away by Satan's lies let God be God in your life he'll form you into an individual that the devil is scared of that's why he's fighting you right now he wants you to give up one time I got so discouraged I told my wife I'm not going to preach no more I'm going to live for Jesus I'm going to go to heaven but I'm not going to preach no more I'm tired. I'm not preaching. I had enough. And she said, yeah, when you stand before God, he's going to say, why did you quit on me, Doug, when you was just an inch away from a breakthrough? That shook me. I went back to preaching. <laughs> I went back to preaching. And bless God, I made it through. Whatever it was I was going through, I got over it. You'll get over it. You know, my mama used to whip me, and she said, you're going to get over it. And if you don't quit crying, I'm going to give you something to cry about. You ever heard that before? Let me tell you, friends, some things don't make no sense. Hurt me more than it hurts you. Huh. Uh-uh. God works in mysterious ways. That may be a little comical, but I want you to know something. You may be feeling some heat right now. But I want you to hold on. God wants you to know he ain't finished with you yet. You've got to heat gold up to get the, get the draw, get the, the, the junk out of it so it'll reflect. He's getting us shined up so that when he looks at us, he sees Jesus. And when others look at us, they see Jesus. Oh, glory to God. I could preach on, but I've got to quit. Romans chapter 8, verse 16. Let's go. Singers and musicians, come back. I want you to uh, play that song, Come to the Altar, because I, I want people to come to the altar this morning you may be in such a process right now the heat may be so hot on you that the devil is telling you this week to give up or maybe you're ready to just lay down your goals that you have and 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 walk away from everything 
Let me tell you, friends, the best way to defeat the devil is to keep doing what he's trying to get you to stop doing. The scripture says, when you've done all you know to do, stand. When you've stood and done all you know to do to stand, you stand. And you stand in the truth. You have it around you holding you together. Friends, victory is just inside. Most times when people give up, victory was so close. Man was lost one time in the woods. He just knew he'd never be found. He sighed, well, might as well just lay down and sleep. He woke up and he was only three feet from the highway. In the daylight, he didn't see it in the dark. You just never know how close you are to where God's trying to get you. And when you, the closer you get to it, the more the devil is going to tell you, you've gone. That's when it's time to come to the altar. That's when it's time to get a hold to the horns of the altar and say, Lord, one more time. Would you say that one more time? Would you let me hear your voice one more time? One more time, would you let me feel your presence one more time? One more time. I thought I'd been such a distance recently where I hadn't preached anywhere. Brother Lynn, messaged me about preaching and the very day God gave me this message, I found out that God wasn't through. I still gonna preach. Hallelujah. Don't give up. Romans chapter 8, verse 16 through 18. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If so be, this is it now, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. For I reckon, (laughs) hallelujah, I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. (laughs) When you add it all up, my friends, what you're facing ain't even worthy to be compared to where you're going. (laughs) Ain't even worthy to be compared to what you're about to receive. Come to the altar. Let God touch you again. Let him renew that vision in you that you had. Let him restore. David cried out, Oh God, cast me not away from thy presence. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy willing spirit. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways and sinners shall be converted unto thee. Let me tell you, God wants to touch you one more time. Will you let him this morning? Don't give up. Don't give up. Fall before God. Come to the altar. Come today. Receive an encouragement from the Lord. Receive a touch that's going to get you over this. You go to a doctor, he gives you a booster shot, gets you over the hump. God will give you a booster shot of the Holy Ghost and get you over the hump. If you're saved today and you need to be filled with the Holy Ghost, come today and be filled. If you're lost today and you need to be saved, come be saved. If you're discouraged, come and be encouraged. Come to the altar. Y'all sing and play. Come on, come to the altar. Woo!